Risk Chats for the firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, I sit down with Dr. Karen Hardy from the Department of Commerce, and we do a little bit of a retrospective the last 10 years of federal enterprise risk management. Dr. Hardy is one of the pioneers of uh, this area, so let's settle back. And here's Dr. Hardy. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm happy to have here Dr. Karen Hardy. Good morning, Dr. Hardy. Good morning. So today we're going to talk about 10 years and ERMs, our topic. And uh, I know, uh, Dr. Hardy, so you, you, you have quite a long background with ERM. I want to kind of just start off, just introduce yourself to the audience here and uh, your, your background in, in ERM. Fantastic, Paul. It's great to be here. It's always exciting for me to, to uh, talk about what we've done in the federal government space. Um, a lot of dedicated public servants passionate about this, but not so much... Um, just the passion part, but actually believe in what we're doing. And enterprise risk management has actually um, served our um, our purpose to ensure that we're managing well, and that's very important to all of us. So I got involved with with the firm. I was one of the first, one of the founding members of the association oh, okay. from this small group of executives. There were about five of us who right. felt that um, we shared the same passion at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, this was several, almost 10 years ago, I think 12 years ago. Right. And we just assumed that maybe if we put on a, an event, maybe someone will show up. And then we got the, about uh, 100, 150 people show up. And then yeah. we felt, well, we may be on to something. And then one thing led to another and we decided to formalize the, the vision that we had. So here we are today with an active, engaged, enthusiastic group of professionals um, sharing the same vision and aspirations for ensuring that government is managed well. And we feel that ERM is the tool and the attribute to use to actually get there. Right, absolutely. I mean, back then, I mean, how many agencies do you think were even doing this? Just a handful. I think it was Mm -hmm. because of mandate, they were mandated to do so. I think where where we're trying to go is not be mandated to do it, but make this a natural part of how we manage our business within government. Right, because ERM was kind of a bigger thing in the financial community, any of the corporate world, uh, banking world, and all that kind of thing, right? Absolutely, just a natural part of financial management. Yeah, so I think some of the agencies that dealt with that probably were some of the first adopters that had those kind of dealing with financial institutions or things like yeah, that. Yeah, I think they, they've been pretty much leveraging what they already had in place. That The challenge is actually evolving from that because even with A123, it expand, expands beyond mm-hmm. the financial management domain. So that takes a little bit more skill and insight that's needed this, this time around. Right. Well, let's, uh, a couple more things about your background are very interesting. We just want to touch on them really quick, and then we'll kind of get into the next piece here. But So I understand you were actually part of that on the COSO Advisory Council a few years ago. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm just curious. It was, it was exciting. It was yeah. a, a very exciting moment, but it's a very important moment because mm-hmm. often the federal government, you know, policies and standards and things like that are established without our participation. Mm-hmm. One of the, the greatest things about that is creating a seat for ourselves at the table during the discussion. Right. And that really was the objective and strategy for me to get involved was to actually open up that path and opportunity. So uh, moving forward, I'm hoping that when that next round of revision comes up, we're automatically considered 
to be at the table during the discussion, not right. just instituting things that I that I handed down. Right. No, that's great. Um, and also, you've written a book about ERM. Yes, uh, Enterprise Risk Management Guide for Government Professionals. It's, it's a textbook of uh, mm-hmm. first one of its kind. Mm-hmm. It's actually it won the award actually for uh, most promising new textbook. Oh wow! And what it does is actually establishes um, the um, the basic. Uh, baseline building blocks for having a, a good conversation of ERM. So right. it's 10 chapters. These are the topics you n- will normally talk about if you're going to talk about ERM, and it's a good way to, to kick it off by using that resource. Okay. So let's kind of get into the topic here, uh, 10 years of ERM. So about 10, was it about 10 years ago, you, you wrote a paper, or it was an IBM paper, right? Yes, About yes. Um, just kind of the early stages of ERM and what, what you know what the environment looked like, recommendations to go forward with it, right? right. Um, and just want to talk about you know how were things back then and how have you seen things change you know in the last ten years? Um, so maybe uh, just kind of starting off, I'm going to actually go over there. There was three major findings. Maybe we we'll just start with that, okay, and then you, t- you know, give me your thoughts on sure. that. So one of the first ones was that you know that you found at that time there was really there was a very much a need to educate the federal workforce on just basic ERM technology and concepts. Yes, absolutely. That was 10 years ago, right? right. <laughs> when this report came up. So now it's great to be able to look back and see what has happened mm-hmm. and developed since that time. I think that's still relevant. Yeah. I mean, at that time, we were dealing with a limited uh, amount of research and practice mm-hmm. in government. So we, I was actually looking at what was happening outside of government and what that could right. look like in 10 years in the government. So by mm-hmm. having this established report and talking about it today. So I think that's one of the things we still have to do. Right. Uh, We've come a long way, um, but I think now that the community has grown so much, we can actually, you know, move forward in that area as well. Right. And do you think, uh, I mean, I would think things like a firm, you know, uh, organizations like a firm are helping to kind of get the same, you know, standardization around terms and concepts in in this world, right? I mean, that's one of the big drivers, right? Yeah, I think one of the areas we have improved in is that Mm -hmm. at that time, project risk management was one of the biggest terms being used. And there was a confusion around project risk management and enterprise risk management. So I think that's a growth spurt for us and that we've been able to uh, distinguish between those two things, which is very important because project management is not enterprise risk management. It's just one piece of it. Uh, How do projects and the success of projects help to um, actually uh, deliver or improve enterprise risk management? And in terms of the uh, portfolio view, projects are included in that. They support programs. But um, so that's one of the things I think we've been able to accomplish in the, um, this the, the terminology, I think people are much more comfortable with it now. Mm-hmm. There was a time when they said risk, it was very, a lot of aversion. But at this point in time, everyone's comfortable using that term and seeing that there's a, a benefit to un- actually understand what your risks are. Right. Um, and something else you had found was that, I guess at that time, the CFOs were not quite as involved. Um, you know, maybe it was more chief risk officers. Or, you know, what, what, how, how has that evolved? Well, uh, I think since that report, the CFO community has picked up the mantle to help move this forward. And I think it's right. going to take, I mean, it's a very strong community, so mm-hmm. it's going to take that type of support to move it forward. Uh, in the initial stages, no, because the the ERM terminology or the concept was not then introduced. Right. Um, but it was introduced when Dave Mader was at OMB mm-hmm. and um, 
were formally introduced because some folks did have the idea uh, about instituting that, but it just wasn't, the timing wasn't right. right. But uh, under Dave Mader's le leadership, uh, actually taking that on mm -hmm. um, from that high level in government and then put it into policy, that was a big turning point for the federal government. Right, so and then uh, that's so talking about the A123 policy that came out. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And, and then the A11 discussion. You know, exactly. Too, well, right? there was um, actually when I was doing the, um, a, a detailed assignment at OMB at that time, mm -hmm. there was a the revisions for A123 and A11 was were happening subsequently at the same time. Right, right. So that we were able to get the language of enterprise risk management into A11 and language mm -hmm. for ISO 31000 into A11. All right. So I worked on that piece right. and within A123 at the same time. We thought right. the best strategy at that time was to get it into policy first so that people first would see it mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be a passive conversation. So that was the strategy behind that. Right. Uh, it wasn't meant to be the final result of what it looks like, but it was a beginning uh, step to you know making it grow to where it needs to be. Right. So, and, I mean, what would you say over the last 10 years, have you seen that, you know, many agencies, it is the CFO's office that really drives this or, you know, uh, some places that you know, they do have a chief risk officer in place that may be in a different part of the organization. I mean, what have you seen, seen out there? I've, I've found that it's a combination of all of those things. Okay. It's not yeah. a singular person, a singular role or position. Right. It's the CFO, it's the CRO, it's the governance structure, it's mm. the risk committee, right. it's the audit committee, it's the IG. It's an organizational effort. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any one person is the superhero when it comes to the enterprise risk management. It is a collective organizational effort that needs to take place for this to be successful. Now, um, do you feel there's any confusion or, you know, around sometimes internal control group versus the risk management group? They kind of, you know, should it be together? Should it be separate? I mean, does that, that divide still comes up, right? That question still comes up. It is some confusion. It's, mm -hmm. it's a natural confusion. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, when you're introducing something that's new within a, an environment where some things have been established for years in the financial community, internal controls community for, for years, so they have yeah. time to practice and refine their, their craft. Enterprise risk management is still fairly new. It's not, sure. not budget cycles are established. I yeah. mean, you already have bus business processes had, uh, historically in place. Right. So we're trying to uh, define what that looks like. So right. there's a close relationship <clears throat> between internal control and, and the risk management community. Yeah, it's interesting to see how different agencies implement it. You know, some, some blend them together, some make them totally separate, almost as if, you know, it's nice to have them separate in an independence kind of way or just a different objective or a different uh, perspective. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. Well, but, we don't have a blueprint, mm -hmm, right? But right. We're, we're creating a blueprint as we move forward, which right. is why implementation and practice is very, very important. Right. You have to do the work, and then the answers that we're looking for comes out of the practice. Right. So, and then the third big uh, finding you all had was that, um, you know, the approach and the, and the success of a program really depended on the agency's uh, risk culture, risk tolerance, um, you know, the, kind of the, the, oh, yeah. the, the management's uh, perspective as well. So. It, is that still, I'm assuming that's still true as well. I think, yeah, I think my, my sense is that when I first started, I was seen as a shadow auditor. I don't think <laughs> that's the case anymore. Right, right. Okay, I think that was one of the biggest misconceptions and that, that has changed, I believe. Um, you still have to define roles and paths within this. It's a, it's a huge, mm -hmm. uh, you know, animal to actually institute 
uh, you still have to define and clarify paths and roles within this within this space. Right. But uh, in terms of the culture, that's important. Mm -hmm. uh, risk aversion, that still mm -hmm. has a people still are risk averse and probably for very good reason. Sure. I don't think that's a, a, a bad thing. But um, in terms of moving the ball forward, mm -hmm. sure, they're going to be growing pains right. and I think we're starting to see some of those things well and along with that I mean would you say you know uh, tone of the top is still one of the most important things to really get program either up and going or just staying operational well you know it's tone at the top it's tone mm -hmm. in the middle and it's tone at the bottom <laughs> tone everywhere <laughs> this tone everywhere right it's an organizational tone mm -hmm. it's an organizational culture right all right uh, I don't at, at one time I did think that if it's not a tone at the top which is important yeah. you have to have that but then you have to have, let's say that all of the appointees leave. That's mm -hmm. the tone in the top just left. Right. Tone in the middle is careers. Mm -hmm. Folks mm -hmm. have to be there. Right. So it's something that's, I think, distributed throughout the organization. Right. Well, and it's also, I mean, I think one of the great things you mentioned uh, to me previously about OMB putting that guidance out was it really, you know, had the agencies do something. They had to do a risk profile, right? So, I mean, at a minimum... They have something to start with, and from there it could grow. But if, if you're still kind of on the fence and not doing anything, and you may not have that tone at the top, it's kind of difficult to really just get things going. And that's why I was there. I was sent there mm -hmm. to actually, um, you know, navigate those type of conversations. Mm -hmm. Dave Mater's great leadership, because that's the type of strategic conversations that were, I can't speak on behalf of OMB, but, yeah. um, but those are the type of conversations that, that did take place. Uh, in terms of what's the best avenue to get this kickstart in the government. Right. First, let's get a kickstart, and what's the best avenue to make that happen? So that's what we have now. Now, right. is it going to remain this? No, I expect more revisions, more practice. This is amazing where we are now versus mm -hmm. 10, 12 years ago. Right. None of this didn't, didn't even exist. So uh, it's just a, a testament to you know where we've come uh, uh, how far we've come in in the work that we have to do right and would it be fair to say that I mean have you seen out there that you know maybe some agencies were reluctant to kind of do it but then once once they started you know doing it they realized that there were definitely benefits from this it wasn't just a paperwork exercise well yeah you you pretty most folks are reluctant if they don't understand and it's that's an what understanding ed, ed, thing. yeah you yeah. need education around things you're not familiar with so over time, I've mm -hmm. realized that that's okay because yeah. you start to understand that you're dealing with human behavior and mm -hmm. folks, just because something's good for folks doesn't mean they, they want it. Of course. Okay. <laughs> so there's some reluctance in yeah. terms of understanding it. In terms of benefits, what I've found is that you're able to bring to the table groups of folks, uh, executives, who, who, uh, what have you, and they have an actual conversation about what they think risk is. Right. right, and they all come up with different, you know, ideas of what that is. And the challenge then is, these are the people that represent the organization. They have to be on one sheet of music when it comes yeah. to what is risk to Paul, what is risk to Karen, <laughs> right. versus what is risk to us as an organization that Karen and Paul works for. Right, right, and that's one of the benefits of enterprise risk management. Yeah, and actually that brings something up. I remember doing another podcast way back when with, with one chief risk officer, and he basically said. You know, agencies have been having these risk conversations forever. This is not new, but now we're actually writing it down and yeah. doing something about it, you know, more more official, more formalized. Yeah, you need to capture yeah. the decisions being made within your organization. Right. You know, in terms of um, uh, 
ensuring and maintaining the the knowledge base within your organization there's no yeah. track of why did you decide to do that okay um we just can't manage risk in our heads right 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 because that's what we do but erm really um encourages that verbal conversation and then also capturing that information documenting that right okay because whether we like it or not you know, they are audits and you need to actually much, demonstrate yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, if you don't write it down, you'll never do it kind of thing, too. It's just you, as you basic as that. Well, there's a lot of assumptions left mm -hmm. if you you aren't documenting. A, and how do you have a system if you're yeah. not documenting? Right. They go hand in hand. Right. Um, and uh, so speaking of education and all that, so where would you say we are today versus 10 years ago, you know, as far as... Uh, ERM skill sets in the community and uh, you know training material literature out there well the um, I can't express more the importance of having more literature because mm -hmm. as, as um, proud as I am about my book sure. it's very important to have other folks contribute literature because mm -hmm. Having one book does not in, uh, create an industry. Right, right. Okay, so you need other people to contribute thought leadership, and we're starting to see uh, even some of my, my colleagues come up with more literature mm -hmm. to help define and understand it, and that's great. Yeah. And that's where we need to be. So that's an indicator. Right. That's an indicator that there's a market, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. a demand, and there's an interest. Right. It, it, without those things, this is this uh this active um this is just busy work right right for the most part we're not trying to do a uh, busy work people um in the past would learn as you go you capture a little bit here and there and then we have structured learning systems we have a firm and workshops in a mm -hmm. annual summit that takes place which is excellent we have partnerships with other organizations right. uh delivering um very valuable insights um to the to the broader community mm -hmm. we have interagency groups springing up all over the place yeah um that's including enterprise risk management fraud data analytics mm -hmm. uh, kpis what have you yeah. Cybersecurity. all of these things are springing up and that's that's right. a great sign for a healthy you know uh market and need within mm -hmm. the federal space yeah, speaking of books, I know we did a podcast a little while ago on a new ERM book is out there. Uh, a lot of the folks in the firm put yeah, it together. Sure. So go out, go out and find it. Go out and find uh, Dr. Hardy's book too. But yeah, there's some. There's no excuse now, you know, to say I don't understand ERM. We got a lot of literature coming out. Lots of literature. And, and Lots federal of literature. specific, government specific. Yeah, that's, that never existed. Ten years that right. was not there. Right, and now and we, we have what two or three books basically. Yeah, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then. Go back to that a little bit more about, um, you know, how have you seen collaboration and sharing? Uh, what's the trend in that over the last few years? You know, communities of practice, what kinds of things are you seeing out there? Oh, uh, very um, vigorous communities mm -hmm. of practice. And people are enthusiastic right. and engaged. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a misconception that this is not happening because government is bureaucracy. <laughs> people don't see the faces and the, the people behind this. Right. They get up every day and they meet and they're you know, interacting all the time. They're inviting uh, folks from each agency over to your agency to talk about Absolutely. it. That's amazing right? Um, to actually see that. And mm -hmm. uh, it's not because OMB told them to do it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's just kind of came up organically, right? Yeah, it's, it's very, very organically. In fact, and um, I think when I first started the um, uh, interagency group at my organization, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I actually extended the invitation to other 
uh, folks to be on that call. And I asked them, I said, do you think I should include OMB in the calls? And mm -hmm. they thought it was a great idea. At that time, just probably 10 people. That call, conference call I had, turned wow. into the first interagency ERM council. Oh, wow. And that council was used to um, support the, um, the case for having ERM in government. Mm -hmm. I actually shared with, with Dave Mater that, yes, we already have an active interagency group, which right. grew out, out of my organization's conference call. Mm -hmm. And that became uh, a key element for supporting the need for having policy. Right. Basically, we were saying, there's already a group of people doing this, OMB. We just need you know, a policy to help support what we're doing. Right, um, and speaking of policies, and you know, I know that uh, there's also been interest in trying to figure out if there should be some laws around this or something, you know, something to go to Congress and see if there's something they can do. Do you know much about that effort as well? Or? I, I don't know much about that. Yeah. This, uh, I mean, it was discussed prior before, yeah. but yeah. I, I don't know what the status of that yeah. is. But I know some folks in the firm have talked about that as well, and that's, that might be a nice podcast subject for another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but any, I think anything that contributes to ensuring that we're, you know, on par with the other countries doing mm -hmm. this aggressively will, will be a plus. So, you know, I'm, I am kind of curious your your opinion on, you know, since you've seen this for such a long time, what, you know, what, what have you seen, just practically speaking, what are some things that work really well? What are some things that may not work so well? You know, what have you seen out there? In okay, for the practitioners, for, yes, yes. <laughs> the day-to-day -day real stuff, collaboration and getting buy-in is important. Right. Uh, taking into consideration capacity mm, of mm -hmm. execution first before yeah. you do policy. Okay. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah, you definitely have, have to do that. That's very important. And then um, reinforce the fact that what this does is help improve what they're already doing. You're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Right, right. And it's just part of the value proposition, yeah. right? So, and I mean, are, are there things that you've seen that haven't worked so well? Are any pitfalls out there? Not socializing the idea, <laughs> not collaborating. The opposite. <laughs> it's just the opposite of everything that I actually said. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's very important. Um, you know, I've had the, the privilege of having a trend for the most, for doing this for some time mm -hmm. and actually seeing what works, what doesn't work. And one of the things I can say is that the human factor does play a role. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can, you're never just speaking of value one time. It's, uh, it's uh, multiple exposures to the, to the message. Right. So you want to have a clear message and, and, and establish the voice of what does ERM mean and continue to sp speak that within the organization. Right. And because, you know, there's only, I mean, there is OMB policy and, you know, but there's, that doesn't necessarily apply to every agency, right? And it doesn't apply right. to, I mean, it's, you know, centered around, financial world, budget world, you know, ERM is a much bigger concept, right? It's the whole organization, how you do your job. So, yeah. so since you don't necessarily have hard laws or mandates beyond the, those, it can be easy for this to kind of go by the wayside. So you have to have strong culture of ERM or strong individuals, passionate individuals, right? Well, and then it goes back to performance. Suppose mm -hmm. you never, suppose it always been never issued it. Right. So um, the world is changing. Right. Okay. In general. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. the world is changing. So we're no longer part of a, it's not a local conversation, it's not a national conversation, it's a global conversation that we're a part of. Other governments are going this way. Right. And then the expectation is that, well, I'm not gonna partner with you unless you understand enterprise risk management. Why, 
why would someone do that? I mm -hmm. mean, it's become mm -hmm. it's going to become an expectation that you do this, and right. even more reason why people want to collaborate and work with you. I think mm -hmm. so. I think that's the natural order of things moving forward. This is ERM is in every industry out there. I don't think you can mention one industry that is not talking about risk management. Right. Right. Um, so government would have to follow suit. The U.S. government would have to follow suit in that. So let's kind of talk about, you know, now we've talked about 10 years. Now, how about the future? You know, no, what are some future. things uh, you think you might be seeing in the future or what what will agencies need to do to, to maintain success with this? What are some of those areas? Well, what I envision that the CRO will be at every agency. I mean, that's yeah. a I see that actually happening, um, that would have to happen. Um, having a more positive role and having a pipeline for having CROs in organizations. Right now, mm -hmm. if there's a CRO that vacates, there's no certainty that it'll be filled or right. backfilled. So that's something. Um, workforce development is going mm -hmm. to happen. Uh, right. We now have certifications, right? Yeah. skill set competencies that have been identified. Uh, so I see the growth of that actually taking place within the government as well and then sooner or later if I it was if I just had my ideal world right. you wouldn't have to have a compliance or law or policy to say this is something you need to do it's just a natural part of what we do right okay because a lot of the struggle now is compliance policy mm -hmm. and we're talking about practice okay things right. that are just simply part of good business and, and management and it's part of an organization's performance. Absolutely. Right? And I mean, I would assume, you know, th organizations like a firm and these communities of practice will continue to grow and maybe even more specialties, right? Because for example, so I know we have at least three in a firm right now. We have a special communities of practice or interest. Sure. Uh, we have a cybersecurity one. We have a small agency specific sure. one and we have a data analytics, which, so maybe, right. maybe we see, you know, other kind of special areas popping out as well. Yeah, I think that that'll happen too, and that'll be even better because that means that people are beginning to have the conversation, engage without someone at OMB saying you need to do this. Right. You don't want people. You don't. Want, you want people to be able to do this and uh, taking the initiative to do this, not something that they're mandated to do, right? And yeah. that's why in the policy is is very open mm -hmm. because you don't want to be too prescriptive so that was one of the strategies now since that policy being in place you'll see how it works out so for the so on then you make adjustments right but the idea is that okay um, this is new for a lot of folks let's see if you can make this fit your organization okay well dr. Hardy this has been great now uh, any kind of last words here or again reflections over the last 10 years for us well again this is um, it's been an honor being part of the community. And what we've done in such a short period of time is nothing short of a miracle. We work in a very complex industry. Yeah. And to be able to accomplish what we've done through great leadership, and some of these are emerging leaders, appointed leadership through associations. But the bottom line is that these are public servants right. who believe in their work. And they believe in uh, that the, uh, the services uh, and the, the missions that they work for every mm -hmm. day make a difference. And they have um, have the enthusiasm to go out and find ways to make it work. This, this is what happened when I got involved in and got part, part of the policy mm -hmm. and, and publishing. Others would come after me mm -hmm. to do the same thing. But um, long term, we feel that this is something worth doing. Um, the taxpayers 
deserve it. Yeah. And we're committed to making that happen. So we're hoping that everything flows in, you know, our way in a, in a positive way to make this even more prevalent in the government uh, than it is today. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for joining us. I really enjoyed having you here. Fantastic. Thank you. That's our show. Thanks for joining us. Check us out at firm.org. I have a whole podcast page there full of good stuff for you guys. Of course, the Affirm Summit is coming up very soon. Hope to see you there. We'll be recording a couple of podcasts. And we have quite a few more in the queue ready to uh, publish soon. So keep your eye open, refresh that webpage, and uh, listen up for some more exciting podcasts. Wrist chats from a firm. <laughs> <laughs>